Jamie Chadwick wins the W Series Championship of 2021. She retains her crown in some style. She's a double winner in Austin. And in a season where she had to withstand so much pressure, she's beaten the challengers away. And the title still belongs to her. Okie dokie, and here we are, back with another episode of F24U, the show about second-tier race car drivers, hosted by second-tier sports analysts. There has been no race, and yet there will be a podcast, because we are a determined group of people. I am joined today by Matt. Matt, how are you today? How is that pizza tasting? It is up. Bellissimo. Bellissimo. We've got the double thumbs up from Matt Hume. He's excited. I'm excited to get into this. Basically, there have been a few news stories over the off. Well, I was about to say the off season because a ten-week break between races feels like the off season. But in reality, we're actually smack bang in the middle of the it's season. It's the forced mid-season break, round three. Yes. Okay, you love to see it. Formula Two is great. Revenge of the Sith. But uh, foreshadowing for later, we'll be talking a lot, lot of calendar chat today. A lot of calendar chat. What's your favorite month? April is when I was born, obviously. That's a lame answer. Either that or September, because AFL finals. I'd go with June. June? Or the coldest month of the year? The uh, hybrid of June, July, because yes, it's cold in Tour de France. Ah, yep, that makes sense. That was then? Fuck, it's been ages. Yes. Dude, it's been flies. like three months since the Olympics. Amen to that, brother. Holy fuck. But we're not talking about the Olympics today, we're talking about fucking motorsport. The Olympics of motorsport, the Formula 2. I wanted to get cracking. The, uh, the, the, the powers that be at F2, they like to do these kind of feature articles with, uh, you know, drivers talking about their greatest influences and, you know, delving into a bit about themselves as personalities. We had some uh, Yuri Vips chat uh, recently. He kept it pretty mundane, to be honest. He shouted out his, uh, his dad as his greatest influence in his life, which is, you know, lovely. You love to see that bit of father-son action. Very Eastern block of him. Rest in peace. He is from Estonia, which is in the Eastern Bloc, can confirm. Um, he shouted out his manager, Marco Asma, you know, for getting in the opportunities he has gotten. And he also shouted out Red Bull and credited them alongside all of his sponsors. The man is ready for Formula One with a PR now, Did he just like that. genuinely credit the concept of his sponsors or did he credit the actual individual no, sponsors? He just, he just said, shout out to all my sponsors. Uh. <laughs> Look, yeah. look, he can, look, he's, to be honest, he's more ready than most for a life in IndyCar. So I think that's a positive sign for Yuri because <laughs> he won't be in Formula One, so. Um, and then we had Felipe Dragovic came out and uh, his heroes, a bit more uh, well-known, Ayrton Senna, I think you've heard of him, uh, decent driver. Overrated. And number two, Nicky Lauda. Is his other hero because apparently uh, I I thought it was Russian, but Dragovic is an Austrian name, so he's not part Russian. He's part Austrian, well, yeah. which obviously Nikki Lauda Austrian. So he's got his two heroes there: Edson and Nikki Lauda, the cream of the crop. Felipe uh, he aims high. He also praised his uncles for teaching him the value of persistence and giving him his passion for motorsport. If only his uncles taught him how to drive better, because he is distinctly average. Regardless. We also had Liam Lawson 
You know, the other guys, you know, are pretty straightforward, pretty to the point. This was more of a feature rather than just a, you know, my greatest influences post. But he dove straight in. He uh, continued to be the most entertaining man on the grid. And this quote, it's a favourite of mine. I realised the other day when I was in New Zealand, I never wore shoes. I even went to school with no shoes. I went everywhere barefoot until I was around 10 years old. All of my friends were the same. The bottom of my feet was so hard. I could look at the end of my feet at the end of the day and they could be full of prickles, but I've not even felt them. So, um, Liam Lawson, hometown Hobbiton. Yes, he is a... Uh, from the Shire. He is a Hobbit. Which yeah. is in New Zealand. Yes, so, it is. So, um, believable. <laughs> Other things I've learnt there is that Liam Lawson's family must have robbed a bank because he's a motorsport driver, which takes money, mm -hmm. and they clearly didn't have any of that because he couldn't afford shoes. I don't think it was a afford thing. I think they just he just didn't like wearing um, shoes. And yeah, didn't realise New Zealand was part of the third world, but here we are. <laughs> Matthew proving himself to be the... Um, Gate Hate-filled. Gatekeeper for advanced society. No. If you don't wear shoes, you can't be part of, like, progressed society. The yes. hate-filled, the, the, the closeted, hate-filled right-wing capitalist that we all know him to be. He then talks about his heroes, his idols. My first hero was Lewis Hamilton. Oh, no. But then, when I was a little bit older and understood more about motorsport, it was the New Zealand drivers. Mitch Evans. Oh, my God. Is he about to shut up Brendan Hartley? Mitch Evans, Richie Stanaway, Nick Cassidy, Scott Dixon, and Brendan Hartley. He also gave a cheeky shout-out to Shane Van Gisbergen and his racecraft. Liam Lawson knows his So, stuff. wait, hold up. He shouted out fucking all of... <laughs> Let me just take a moment. So, okay, was it just he listed all of them... And then Shane, I'm just confused. Was how how mm. isolated from the others was Shane Van Gisbergen? Isolated because and was it isolated about... in a way that he was like I particularly want to reference Shane Van Gisbergen for mm. a thing, or because like Richie Stanaway has achieved fuck all in his career. Shane Van Gisbergen is a supercars champion and soon to be <laughs> two times supercars champion. No, so they he was, are not um, the same. He was engineering. A car for a friend, apparently, and they were racing against Shane. Not in supercars, in a different oh, category. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just he just wanted is. to mention how good he thought Shane was and his and his racecraft. Crazy that he thinks most talented driver to come out of New Zealand in terms of tin tops um, in fifteen years is talented. Um, I didn't realize Richie Stanaway was twenty. I forget how fucking old. See, I think of Richie Stanaway as a youngster. Be twenty nine is a full decade older than Lawson. Because I was like, why the fuck is he idolizing Richie Stanaway? He's like three years older than him. But mm. um, no, Richie Stanaway's fucking old. Yeah. How go. old's Nick Cassidy? Because I'd never heard of Nick Cassidy. Oh, not didn't know a lot about Nick he's Cassidy. He's in the DTM, mate. <laughs> so Nick Cassidy's twenty seven. Fair enough. Yeah. So he's all. But it's crazy. It's bizarre. Some, hearing some of these names to me is bonkers because, like, as someone who I, as someone who himself idolizes Shane Van Gisbergen, mm. that man, well, for a long time, probably still is just my favorite driver within all categories of motorsport. Mm. It's bizarre hearing another person who is on a grid and on the path to possibly Formula One being like, yeah, no, I look up to Shane Van Gisbergen. <laughs> but um, I'm particularly perturbed if. Um, that's a thing. Obviously, I can't that. But if he doesn't actually fall into that main list of people he looks up to, it's just, oh, I raced against him once and he's pretty good. Um, the disrespect shown to Shane gets No, I didn't race against him once. He was engineering sorry, for a I, friend. I crew, I crew chiefed against him once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> at the ripe old age of 15 when I was fucking engineering for me, uh, buddy Glenn, who's 12. You know, he went up against a uh, 28 year old Shane Van Gisbergen and, you know, he kicked his ass. And I was like, oh, geez, this fucking fully grown adult, he's pretty good, eh? <laughs> you can see why he won a Supercars championship. Oh, dude, Liam's buddy Glenn, he's a good fucking guy. You know, he's always. He never misses a round. You know, he's always on time, he's always punctual. What I will it's say, actually, real distinct indication of the generation gap. Well, but it makes sense because he's only 19. But everyone he's talked about there has had the most prolific stints of their careers, be it someone like Mitch Evans, who was very promising through the junior open wheel categories. Brendan Hartley obviously did have a stint in Formula One, also very successful, as I believe Evans is in like GT and endurance racing. Ben Gisbergen, who has been one of the dominant forces for the last decade in supercars. Stanaway, who has being in supercars and Nick Cassidy who does whatever Nick Cassidy has done I don't know a lot about him he's in the DTMs but mate. he's obviously left out some you know uh, it makes sense but like some notable Kiwi names of the more recent era guys like Jason Richards Greg Murphy Russell Ingle none of them but you mm. know so it just shows in the six years I have on Liam Lawson I've got a whole extra generation of Kiwi drivers that I looked up to how old is Lawson? 19 fuck my oh, life no, as I said he's a decade because I was like how does this guy look up to Richie Stadaway oh because he's a decade younger than him that makes sense I thought he was 20s. probably means when he was 7 years old in go-karting Richie Stadaway's in like the under 17's go-karting yeah, like, oh look at that big kid winning all the races but um he, uh, he also claims this is a long article and I, I took a lot from it he claims that Call of Duty is his favourite way to relax outside of racing. Matthew, who is your favourite Call of Duty franchise? FaZe Clan, Optic Gaming, or perhaps Team Envious? Oh, dude, I'm Optic for Life. Optic for Life? Shout out to Big Optic Hacks. Ah, no shit. Okay, so he's a member of the Green Wall is our very own Matthew. I'm FaZe Clan because they're based in Atlanta. FaZe the fuck up. Atlanta Braves in the uh, World Series. Atlanta Hawks set to win the championship this season. A-Town for life, my guys. The I'm Falcons, optic, we don't I'm, talk about that. I'm, I'm Optic because the um the one reference of Optic I can remember from the crew was funnier than <laughs> the various FaZe Clan references I can remember. Fair enough. Although, a member of FaZe, sorry, a member of FaZe was once deleted on a friends list by Deluxe 4 before he was actually a member of FaZe. Nice. So, um, yeah, shout out to Deluxe 4 for deleting me when I was a random. Oh, fucking peak. Great quote. Uh, he also reckons that Richard Vashore is for sure the nicest guy on the grid. And uh, says that omelettes are the only thing he can cook. He actually made a live stream once. The most views, the most viewers he's ever had on on Twitch was uh, just people wanting to watch him make an omelette. The big omelette guy, Liam Lawson, loves his eggs, loves his you know We're champagne. A fascinating hair. society. I know people. <laughs> people love their omelettes, but the icing on the cake for me, his favorite, his favorite artist. Musical artist is J. Cole. So, look, I'm not going to lie. My uh, fandom for Liam Lawson has grown and will continue to grow because he's Did clearly he a great guy. Did he tell us what his favourite COD, COD association No, no, he was? just plays. For, oh, it's how he relaxes poor. outside of racing. That's poor. He plays some Call of Duty. But, uh, no, I don't know if he's like an Atlanta FaZe fan or whatnot. But uh, regardless... The Atlanta FaZe. Yeah, no, because they've, they've franchised up now. So oh, it's, it's literally the Atlanta FaZe. Crazy. In terms of the Call of Duty League. Crazy. I don't even know what I can remember any members of FaZe. Oh, there's that one FaZe dude who's like friends with um, fucking Rice Gum. Can't I'm pretty sure Faze. Rice Gum's in jail at this point. Oh, probably. Mm. But um, questionable YouTube influences aside, 
J. Cole's obviously the GOAT, and uh, good for Liam Lawson to have the good music taste. That's what we like to see. Um, I'm enamored by this man. And it's worth talking about what he's been doing outside of uh, Call of Duty and, and, and barefootery, because he's been driving in the DTMs, Matthew. Now, Matthew, what the fuck is a DTM? Where do you find it? What species is it? How do you control it? How do you catch it? What's its weakness? Thunder, lightning, earth, fire, earth, wind, and fire, serpentine, fire, September. Weakness is British touring cars. British touring cars. Tocker Racing Two. That's the one. Great game. DTM is the German touring car championship. The Deutsche Tourenwagen Championship. Yes, I I assume the M stands for like Masters or something. Has always been my assumption, like Deutschland Touring. Yeah, but yeah, so it's the German Touring Car Championship. Well, well, it was the German Touring Car Championships. Obviously, touring cars, a similar thing to if anyone's familiar with the Australian Supercars Championship, obviously British Touring Cars. So tin tops, you know, um, regular cars. In theory, based largely on stock models of cars, and they're typically more sedans, or you can also get, like, hatchbacks as well in touring car championships but yeah they're like regular runnerish of the mill cars mm. however and so it's traditionally been obviously bmw mercedes audi opal all competed in it i don't believe bmw is in there anymore neither is opal bmw there's a thing called row racing and they have the bmw logo maybe they do maybe so. bmw is still in there but yes however this season for reasons I do not know, because I do not follow it nearly closely enough and have not truly cared about it since Matthias Ekstrom retired. Um, also, if you want to see all of the best Red Bull liveries ever made, go to um, Old School DCM. Those cars were beautiful because they like well, what a Red Bull livery should be, which is just offensively in your face in the brightest colour scheme they can possibly do that screams, we're fucking Red Bull, rather than some awful shade of, like, navy and then purple and then just other, like, toned-down colours that don't mesh together. If you're going to have that just offensively bright blue with massive yellow logo, Red Bull on it, a bit of silver, just that's that's how you do it. Mm. That is how you do it. A little it. bit of silver chrome. But yes, this season they've switched to GT cars, which are what you also see in the uh, secondary categories of like the World Endurance Championship. So we're talking your big old like your Mercedes AMG GT, your Ferrari 458, Lamborghinis, etc., etc. So whether or not it's really a touring car championship anymore, and I know a lot of long-term fans have some, you know. Uh, ideological differences with this swap but yes that is what dtm is obviously based in germany germany's premier category and that is where liam lawson has been racing also where alex albon yeah buddy has been racing for all barring this the final round as he has switched to spend more time in the f1 paddock around williams as he prepares obviously for his drive there next year so yeah yes. buddy good to see alex albon making it happen but yeah, the, the story we're alluding to Also is the home of our man involved in the most significant moment in the history of Formula 1. Timo Glock. Timo Glock. Mm, I was, is yeah. that Glock? 
It is. It is Glock doing completely nothing in DTM. He got uh, nine points for the season. <laughs> Huge. You know? Truly inspirational right. stuff. But, uh, yeah, coming into the final race, Liam was leading the championship by, uh, I don't know. He's coming into the final round. 18 time, points. Yes. Yeah, 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 the final round, because there are two rounds. Two, two races per round. round. Yes. It was 18 That's points clear. Norris Ring Street Circuit. At the Did top of classic. the table. Yep. He uh, took pole for the for the final race. Started well. Got taken out by the man running third in the overall championship. Kelvin van der Linde. Oh, he was second at the time of the championship. Kelvin, was he? Yep. Well, there you go. Yeah, he was second. Well, there you go. He finished third. Um, yes. And I believe Kelvin ran into him both races. Yeah, so the there was contact between him and Kelvin in the first race. I, I saw, unfortunately, it's taken a little bit too long between recording this and when I watched the Josh Ravel recap. Ooh. Um, very, very underrated channel on YouTube if you do want to check it out. Josh Ravel. I think it's Josh. Jay Ravel, something Ravel. Um, yeah, he makes either Josh or Joseph, but I think it's Josh. He makes, yeah, open wheel, typically like Formula One, Formula Two, that kind of thing. John um, Ravel. Review videos, um, and he very, very insightful. And his video on this will sum it up a million times better than we ever could. But yeah, there was a whole bunch of different incidents in the first race involving the three championship contenders, Liam Lawson, Maximiliano Gertz, and Kelvin van der Linde. But yes, uh, they went into that final race, as you said, with Lawson in front of van der Linde. And yeah, they were both on the front row. And van der Linde, who had a question one in race one into turn one, decided to fucking send it again. Mm. Sending both Lawson and Cassidy to the shadow realm. Yes, yeah, so Nick Cassidy, who was mentioned earlier. Yes. The man himself. Um, so that put them right down the back and meant that suddenly Gertz would just sort of, you know, run around. Gertz did actually win the first race of the weekend as well, but was still a little bit too far out. He was suddenly in the prime position. Van der Linde needed to close a bit to that. And Van der Linde, with his um, just all over the place racing for the weekend, the way that he cut a tyre and oh. spun out, and that took him out of it. Um, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but something something had happened with, yeah, so um, I can't remember, Lawson eventually had to retire anyway. I can't remember exactly what happened that. And then um, Cassidy, who had also got pushed down the back, both Lawson and Cassidy after this terminal incident were right down the back because they had to stop and let the entire field yep. pass away that. Cassidy was actually working his way back through and they had, I can't remember who it was, but two of the Mercedes were leading. Gertz was in third. Mm. And we saw really nothing wrong with this, but we saw obviously someone way back at Mercedes, not because they're not necessarily identical teammates, but you know, yeah, all yeah, the same yeah, manufacturer, yeah. made the call. The two Mercedes stepped out of the way to allow Gertz through, which giving him the required points to take the title. Now Cassidy, as I said, was on the charge, and if he'd you know got to there and got past Gertz, I think that may have just put the advantage back to Lawson. Right. However, um, he was helpfully just run the fuck into the wall by those two other Mercedes, taking oh. him out of the race. So, it, yeah, mm. a lot of controversy that came out of this. The way it's true how Gertz came home with the title loss in second, but was it, I don't know whether you four points. four points. Yeah. Um, but yes, it certainly caused, yeah, a bit of controversy, a bit of a sloppy, not all that great of an advertisement for DTM, the mm. way the weekend went but unfortunate for lawson who obviously the has curse said, is real mate the cur- like, you can't deny it at this point the curse is real he gets so close oh, yeah. to greatness so many times and it's just but, uh, yeah robbed. lawson lawson's maybe he has no intentions to return to the category next season no, so this wouldn't. was his one opportunity at it 
But uh, yeah, so unfortunate for Lawson, but that's the way motorsport goes sometimes. That's what he gets for not putting enough respect on Shane Van Gisbergen's name. <laughs> okay. Uh, Helmet Marco called for Van Linda to be banned from the sport. Oh, for I forgot life. that happened. Yes, Helmet Marco um, continued to smoke crack because <laughs> um, that was uh, absurd. That's an absurd thing to want. Not a life ban. Not not life ban worthy. Doesn't even warrant a race ban. Not a race ban. Not for in Van the slightest. No, what? it was stupid. But like, that's that's pretty absurd. cynical. Oh, sure, but you could argue, you could still argue that he was trying to make a desperation move to get to the front for himself so he could win the title himself. What about the two Mercedes guys who took out Cassidy? Okay, I, that's the thing. I don't think that was that was less intentional. I, I, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure it was somewhat intentional, but that was less like it's not like they hard right turned into it. Mm. They just ran a guy out of road on a street circuit. Fair enough. So if you if you don't give the racing room on a street circuit, they run into the wall. Uh, Helmet Marco is a man who likes a bit of hyperbole. Hyperbole Marco over here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the Lawson curse is real, but he is, yeah, performed well enough. But uh, you mentioned him already. Shout out to Alex Albon, who proved his worth by finishing sixth in this championship, albeit with one less round than the others. But 97 points behind Liam Lawson. Timo Glock leveled out at P17 overall. And shout out to Team Piss, aka Team Rosberg. For scoring a combined one point for the entire season. Meanwhile, um, unless you have more DTM chat in you. Oh, mate, I could reminisce about the DTM forever. That's not, even let's, not, let's not go down that rabbit hole, shall we? Don't even, don't even think I know. Well, I mean, obviously I know, but I don't even think I know anyone on the body DTM group anymore. Beyond, like, the, you know. Apart from Alex Albon. Beyond the F1, like, rejects and junior drivers. <laughs> oh, Mike Rockenfeller. Mike Maybe Rockenfeller. Maybe Nico Moore. Yeah. And, yeah, no one... I mean, I know Sophia, Sophia for that. No one... Oh, Marcus Winklehot. Yeah, no one from my fucking... No one from back in my day. No one racing. from my generation? It's very, very sad. My beloved DTM grid is no more. Indeed. Alrighty. Meanwhile, some other news. We love news on F2 for you. Logan Sargent, the man born in Boca Raton, has been signed by Williams to be a member. Run that by me again. The man born in Boca Raton, which is where a city in America, because he is or, from America. Where in America? I think Florida. Let me I check. Wonder I dislike him so much. But he is. I mean, it's a, it's a song. It's it's referenced in a song by the rapper Bass, who is on J Cole's music label. Actually, yes, Dreamville. Boca Raton, Florida, yep, United States. He's older than. Awesome. It's like a well-known party town. He has a brother whose name is Dalton. Which is what's that? A um, much name. Oh, Dalton Sergeant races in um, Oval Tough stuff. There you go. Nice. What's um? What's that famous Mexican party town? Uh, fuck. Cancun. It's like um. It's like a. It's like a American version of Cancun. Boca Raton. It's That's a party town. Most of Florida, isn't it? Just yeah, but specifically Boca Raton specifically. Regardless, um. He's been signed, Logan Sargent has been signed by Williams to be a member of their academy. Indeed. Give us the rundown on this man, because you actually watch F3, are you? Yeah, so Logan Sargent was the chief rival for Oscar Piastri, um, his push for the 2020 F3 title, of course, last season. They went toe-to-toe up until, I can't remember whether it was during the second-to-last round or during the final round that Sargent finally fell out, but obviously it boiled down to Piastri and Porsche. But Sargent was the man pushing him the whole way. He was the man who certainly had me worried, and me as obviously an Australian and Piastri fan. He was the guy who became the enemy in my eyes and who I was wishing all the bad luck on. 
Um, and then he got it, and I was like, this is a truly great day. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he's very promising. He's had a much quieter season this season. So, obviously, last season he was with Prema, as was Piastri, and that's obviously as they are in F2. In F3, Prema are just the big dogs. The best. So I think Prema has won at least, it's at least three straight titles now with Schumacher, then oh, – sorry, no – Schwartzman. Actually, it might be four because I don't know. But, yeah, they won it with Schwartzman, then they won it with Piastri, and then they won it this season with Dennis Hauger. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, they are the dominant force in F3. However, he obviously, you know, cashes king in the development categories even more so than it is F1. So that was not a drive he backed up in. For a long time, I wasn't even sure whether he was going to be on the grid, but he found himself a home at Cherouz, and I believe he picked up a win in the end this season. But, um, yeah, so he, he took his time to find a feet a bit. He was always there or thereabouts, but didn't have a huge amount of luck on his time, that side at all times. But still picking up fairly good results comparative to quality of cards, where his teammates were running in that. Obviously, did eventually pick up a win... He finished seventh in the championship with his one win, four podiums, 102 points. Not bad. Yeah, so fairly solid. And then obviously as he backed up last season where he had two wins, three poles, two fastest laps, six podiums, and came third. So, yeah, he's a very – and he was in F3 the previous year as well for Carlin. Um, third year in F3. Yes. But, he yeah, see, he's a promising that. His previous other notable results um, finished second in Formula 4 UAE in 2016-17. Third in British F4 in 2017. Fourth in Formula Renault Euro Cup in 2018. Also fifth in Formula Renault NEC. Um, and then, yes, he's a podium finisher at the Macau Grand Prix from 2019. Third in F3 last season. Seventh in F3 this season. And he currently sits fourth after three races in the Michelin Le Mans series, having finished on the podium in every race, including a win. And I have no idea what that is, but he's doing well in it. Sounds like he's got a so he's got maybe promise. not a world breaking uh, resume, but a solid resume. Talented, you'd say. Solid yes. addition to the Williams. What did he? You'd, you'd have him as better talent wise than Nasani and Aitken, presumably. Oh, definitely better than Nasani. Yeah, probably. I think I'd probably have him. I don't. Know. Well, I don't know. I don't know that. But like Aitken's past his moment. Aitken's moment. Yeah, past. yeah, 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 yeah. So a sergeant could continue to develop further. Would you say this move was potentially helped by Williams being owned by the Americans over at Doralton? Uh, I haven't thought about that till now, but that seems quite plausible quite as plausible. well. Obviously, they had a... Yeah, I don't know how exactly how they run it and that, but you could also say, obviously, a seat opened up with yes. the release of Dan Tictum about yes. a month ago. I can definitely assure you that Logan Sargent isn't as talented as Dan Tictum, but he's less problematic, so he probably has a better chance of making it to yeah. Formula 1. Yeah, that's fair. Would all the F three guys w- without current, you know, sponsorship by an already established team? Was he the best available? Or was there other someone else? Yeah, um, I would say yes. I think the contenders for that spot are himself, Clement Novelak, who came third in this year's championship, but Trident was a much stronger team than Shrews uh, this season, and possibly also Alex Smolier, who Smolier. finished five points ahead of him in the championship. So you take Logan Sargent over Clement Novelak and um, Smolier. I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I prefer Smolier, but that's because he drives for ART, and that's my team. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a Smolier, a bit of a Smolier fanboy, and he's been with ART both seasons. I've been watching, but no, mm. I think Logan Sargent probably was the most talented man 
not currently in an academy. So, um, yeah, deserves to have been signed by one. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Who, um, who gets into F1 first, Logan Sargent or Paddy O'Ward? Neither. Mm. If one of them does, I would expect it to be O'Ward. O'Ward? I feel like the way... Formula One are going into, you know, money is everything. I think they want an American in there. Well, award is Mexican, so that's not an American. Is he? Fuck. Yeah, his name's Patricio. So? My name's Deshaun. I'm Australian. No shit, he's... Well, there you go. Logan Sargent is a lock for uh, Formula One, uh, according to Deshaun (laughs) Borsvaini. Actually, are there any other American talented drivers? Correa, but I don't see ah, him yeah. making that level. Yeah, I mean, so I think he could have fully yeah. well, he's, he's Mexican, his name's Patricio, but Juan Manuel Correa is a... Fuck off, Matthew. Well, that's, I know that's he's American, more, but I'm just saying your point originally more, was stupid. That's more difficult. I, I mean, I thought you could have just gone with the fact that, um, you know, his name is O'Ward, traditional Mexican surname. Yeah, also, yes. <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah, McLaren SP. Sh- yeah, I don't really think there's any other real top Americans in the pipeline outside of Logan Sargent. Um, you know, it'd be one of the other flies. I mean, you got like a Colton Herder or something, but I don't really see that happening. There you go. Okay, okay. So, well, um, the fourth member of the Williams Academy team is the last Jamie Chadwick, and she has been fucking killing it. The last, hey. The last, the last Jamie Chadwick. The last Jamie Chadwick. All right. The winner, Jamie Chadwick. She's won back-to-back W Series titles. She has. Having won dominantly at Kota to take out a 27-point victory in the standings over Alice Powell and the Finn Emma Kimmelainen to finish P3 for the seven-race season, while Aussie Caitlin Wood did us all proud by finishing 16th out of 20 drivers. Um... <laughs> She's no Renee Grace. Oh, uh, no. Absolutely not. Look it up. Yeah, don't look it up, kids. No, uh, nothing wrong with it, mate. Look it's, it up, adults. It's protected by a paywall. So, I mean, unless you've given your kid your fucking credit card, That's they're not going to see anything on toward. Was she actually a good driver, Renee Gracie? Distinctly below average. Distinctly be- below average. Would you also... <laughs> would you say that Jamie Chadwick is distinctly below no, average? No, I think... I've been... I've been <laughs> an advocate. I think Jamie Chadwick... It's fucking should, good. I think Jamie Chadwick should have been the one to get the Williams seat. Yeah. Um, everyone, potentially. Rather I thought than Alex Albon. Beyond, beyond the fact that I've, I've... You know, in this 12 months of this season, I have arrived at the conclusion that Dan Tictum is the most talented man to not make Formula 1 in at least a decade. Mm. Um, and I was, I'm going to just go down and say he's the most talented man who will never make it to Formula 1 ever. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's clearly he's the most talented driver on the planet. Not named Oscar. Wow. It's the two. That's the two guys. Oscar and Dan are the two most talented men on the planet. No shit. Um, no drivers shit. of sport. The two, most dri- the two most talented drivers, which makes them the two most talented men. Yes. Regardless, because yeah. <laughs> drivers are the peak of... Human, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. too much talent to man on the planet, right? Okay, like take your fucking messies, Ronaldo's, LeBron James's, get them the fuck out of here. So, it's a uh, side note Damien Lillard making that of a Dwight Howard, fucking joke, absolute <laughs> joke, one of the biggest disrespects in the history of humanity, mm. and AD as well, ridiculous. Uh, that so, but even that, yeah, neither of them should be on there. Dwight's not a fucking mm-hmm. joke. Also, it being 76 Carter, people for a 75 name list, it's just ridiculous. The NBA Vince Carter, T-Mac, yeah, yeah, yep. a, lot of, a lot of snubs. Uh, T-Mac and 
Power, power of Soul. Power of Soul is one, definitely. Mm. But yeah, no, I think I'm very high on Jamie Chadwick. I think she's been one I wanted to see get a guard. So, I mean, the very least, I'd like to see her put into F2 or something mm-hmm. to at least get that definitive proof either way. Like at some point, the bullet is going to have to be bit. I would have been totally fine if it was to just go straight into F1 because my thought my thought process always was, you know, she's marketable. Whether or not it should be that way, and it's one of those things, it can be a double-edged sword. We saw it with Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick being in NASCAR, possibly IndyCar, so I wasn't following that, but in NASCAR was a huge thing marketing-wise. She was the female, the one female driver in the category. She was incredibly marketable, you know, sponsors dream in that. But the flip side of that was, I, not even just, the, I'm sure there was plenty of portion of the fans who were, you know, just always going to resent Danica merely because she was a woman. But even yeah. someone like myself, who for a long time was a Danica fan, by the time of my tenure as an avid NASCAR fan, I was getting sick of Danica just because it was one of those unfortunate things where, you know, Danica would always get talked about. She'd always get broadcast time. And, you know, she was coming 15th to 27th in a 40-car grid. Like, yeah, no one else running 18th is getting that much airtime. And that would be the issue. That could be the potential issue. And that's that's where, you know, it's the thing. I think Jamie bringing Jamie Chadwick in would you know, attract sponsors for Williams. It would attract, you know, media coverage and everything. It does have the double-edged sword. If all the BBC do every week, oh, sorry, like Sky Sports is banging about Jamie Chadwick for... But then again, you know, all they do is bang on about George Russell for half an hour as well. And, like, you know, no one hates George Russell outside of you. So And even you don't hate George Russell. I hate the media who love George Russell. Yes. but I hate Lando Norris more than I hate George Russell at the moment. Such a classic Australian. It's that tall poppy syndrome. We just classic hate, Australian. We just hate You're the patriot. Oh man, I'm not saying, but I'm just that's a classic Australian. Um, you hate someone who's doing well. We have he's massive, actually doing quite badly at we, the moment. He is doing quite badly. We have massive tall tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We love someone on the rise up. The second they get to the top, like you watch it, mate. Hangman Page is going to beat Kenny Omega, and I'm going to be like, all right, time to find a new favorite wrestler. Yeah, he's just not cool anymore. You, yeah, we we both we both especially. Um, but regardless, there's also that just so much scrutiny. If she were to make it, oh, like so much pressure. Oh yeah, absolutely. But see, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Jamie right. get a run in one of F two or F three, and just yeah. see, you know, maybe she will be distinctly middle of the pack. Maybe she'll be able to run consistently in the points, which we've yeah. not seen from a female driver in the recent years in these categories. Yeah, she comes through into F2, fucking grabs a few wins, competes up for the title, which... Oh, she did that. She'll straight away go to Formula 1. Yeah, by all intents and purposes, she's got the talent to do so. So, yeah, that'd be that'd be fucking awesome. But, just uh, yeah. realised, can we just spot out, that um, one of this teams that... Uh, the team that Logan Sargent competed for in... Um, Formula Renault was known as R Ace GP, or if you hear it, read a lot, Race mm. GP, Race Grand Prix. You fucking, that's amazing. That's fucking ridiculous. That is truly amazing. You love to see it. We don't live in a simulation at all. The French, um, the French are an inspirational group of people. They really fucking are. They really fucking are. But um, 
Oh, dearie me. I don't well, know so how he, he also drove for Team Moto Park. Team Moto Park. Well, look. Regardless, Racing if... Team Turkey. He's got Fuck's sake, ones. Matthew. I've got to get a haircut today. Let's move it along. Well, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Fuck me. Fuck off. Regardless, you know, if she were to join F2 for next season's grid, she'd be part of the uh, biggest F2 season of all time. Indeed, she would. Calendar segue. Very nice. <laughs> yes. The calendars for both support categories mm. have been announced. Yeah, baby. And The schedule this season's been shit. Thankfully, it's mm. been... Altered for 2022. Yes, they're reverting back to the old format, if I can fucking find a link. for the Two bloody... race weekend. Yes, two race weekend, sprint race, feature race, or feature race, sprint race. Um, more race meets for both. Oh, no, the feature will be on a Sunday. Which is what it always used to be. So it's sprint race, feature race. Well, actually, no, it didn't. One practice, one qualifying, one sprint race, and one feature in that order. Um, Yes, so we'll now have 14 rounds for Formula 2, and I believe it is nine rounds for Formula 3, which is significantly more round. What do we have for Formula 2 this year? I think it was like 12, I believe. No, eight. Formula 2. Sorry, yeah, eight eight rounds, 24 races, whereas last season was 12 rounds, 24 races. Yes. Um, and I believe it's two more rounds for Formula 3, which was a seven-round calendar this season. Um, but very quickly, Formula 3, and we'll also go back to what we had last season where we will have dual weekends where both support categories feature on the card, which for me, it was way more into the support categories. It's a fucking dream because... I just have constant motorsport on for the weekend. <laughs> so both categories will be there for the season opener at the Bahrain Grand Prix, the secure circuit. Formula 2 will then follow that up um, the following weekend at the doubleheader there for the Saudi Arabian round at Jeddah. Both championships back it up then for Imola. Both are at Barcelona. Round 5. Barcelona. For Formula 2 is at Monte Carlo. They then have round six at Baku before once again both categories are at Silverstone, Spielberg, which is Austria, and then uh, Budapest, the Hungarian Grand Prix, then also Spa and Zanfort and Monza. So they basically, they roll through, I don't know whether that's all that, but they roll through six straight weekends where they're both there. Monza is the final round for the F3 championship, and then F2 closes out with rounds at Sochi and Yas Marina. Mm. Great. Yes. So, Jashan, as someone who knows even less about these categories than you Mm -hmm. do about Formula 1, are you excited for the change of format and the calendars that have been announced? Yes. Didn't realize I needed such a deep sigh, but fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for races like Zandvoort and Imola to have their debuts in F2 because, yes. as we know, F2 is typically more competitive on track than Formula 1. And I think, especially with Zandvoort and how dull it was, that could also be a contender for shittest race of the year for F1 mm. uh, in the main category. It could be really interesting to watch 
you know, Liam Lawson overtake a few motherfuckers around that uh, banked turn into the main straight at Zan, what I reckon that'd be pretty cool. So that'd be nice. And yeah, I'm excited to see the youngsters get, you know, more consistency into their season and a bit more of a chance to prove themselves. Show what they're worth. So yeah, I'm keen as. I think pretty chuffed overall is what I actually wrote down. Pretty chuffed overall. I'm more keen for the fact F3, first time at um, yeah, Bahrain, which is F3, a... So. I give a shit about F3. Mm. Um, Bahrain's always a fucking great track for the support category, so that should be mint. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah. F3 is heckers. But yeah, no, I think it's a much, much better looking calendar. Obviously, eight round, 14 rounds compared to eight is yes. huge and you know nicer than that thing. It was really good last season where 1 to Formula 1 finally started back up. We had 10, I think we had the nine lots of triple headers and that. So the three lots of the triple headers, the nine races over about 12 weeks, and F2 and F3 were there for all of them. F3 ended after those nine. F2 then had races in Russia and somewhere and somewhere, but three more rounds and that, which were a little bit more spaced out, but nothing like the massive... 10-week, 8-week gaps we've had this season with only 8 rounds on the calendar. And, yeah, this will mark much better. 14 rounds across... 23 uh, like a race weekends. 23 race weekends for Formula 1. So, like, you know, 40 weeks or whatever is a much, much better turnaround. I think I checked. There's nowhere that's more than a 5-week gap, mm. which that is completely yeah. reasonable. And that's six run, six-track run of Silverstone, Austria, mm. Hungary, Spa, Francochamps. Yeah. Zanvottom Wonder is a fucking dude. That's the thing. Hitting all the key and important circuits, you know, that's a Bahrain's always any, great. Any, any, any tracks you kind of wish were there or wish weren't there? Um, let me bring up, well, let me bring up the... Obviously, Monaco and Barcelona. Probably don't need to be there. I mean, Abu Dhabi and Jeddah, we both hate. I mean, we don't hate Jeddah yet. I've never, see, I've never... Oh, I can't remember whether F2 had a race at Abu Dhabi last season. I feel like it might, might not have. So I've never no, seen No, they, the, uh, they had the F2 driver test. Yeah, so I've uh, never seen one. Okay, well, fair To enough. make a judgment on it. Um, the F1 calendar, which is not delivered in as aesthetically pleasing of a format. Um, obviously, none of Australia... That's the thing. This have kept... If you notice the one thing here, it's the Middle Eastern races and all the European races. Yes. There's no major flyaway, which is completely fair. And that's the thing. Most of the tracks that'll be like, oh, it'd be cool are those ones. So, you know, Australia doesn't. So the tracks that are in 14 of the 23. So Australia's not getting one. Miami, which that was in a huge flyaway. Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that's another one that. Yeah. Then there isn't a race in Singapore, Japan, the USA, Mexico, and Brazil, which is the eight races. So I must have possibly missed one, but God knows what it is. But yeah, so it's the, it's the eight races or whatever that are, you know... Yes. Away away yes, from yes, Europe, yes. away from that main block of Europe and the Middle East that don't have that. Obviously, there's some tracks that I love. It'd be cool to have them in Australia, just as being Australian. But honestly, Canada, because it's probably my favorite circuit. And I think, you know, Japan, USA, Mexico, Brazil, all of those would be cool them, places yeah. for them to be. But, like, it makes more sense for the championship to be localized in Europe for cost and that is fine. That's the thing. They've got all they're here for every non major flyout well, that's either hip every European race and they're there for all the Middle Eastern races. So they're they're both so they're saying F two is at every track that it is feasible for F two to be at next mm. season. And you can't really complain about that. It's very fair. It's a fair point. Allegedly this comes mm. with an increase for teams' budgets to allow for the extra racing. No details there yet, but I trust Bruno Michel, the CEO 
And yeah, it's just it's, take it's care a better, of business. It's a better format because like obviously it's more races, but yeah, it just it works better to have two races more on more weekends, and that whilst in theory it you know it doesn't necessarily add up to all that much more. Well, it adds up to a bit, yeah, it, you know, whether or not it adds up to like a more actual time if it was the Sunday total races, like still 24 races and that. But yeah, it just, it's going to feel like more motorsport because, you know, once you've watched, you know, your 50 minute feature race and your 35 minute sprint race for an hour and a half of racing or whatever, you don't necessarily need that extra half hour sprint race and that. But once it's been three weeks and you've not had a race, you're yeah. kind of like, oh, Really great to have a race right now. <laughs> what was that? Also, <laughs> what was that voice crack? You fucking mom. Also, it'll be much better for us as uh, podcasters because you know you won't have the audience forget you even make a podcast about it when you don't do one for ten weeks. Be so um, much content. You and this thing, we won't have to do this and just have a podcast dedicated to the calendar announcement <laughs> to keep <laughs> eyeballs on the product whilst we wait for another seven weeks or whatever seven we've got hours. till. Bloody Saudi Arabia. Ah, yes, the Saudis. Actually, it's probably only about a month away now, isn't it? Yeah, about a month It's early December, so we've only got like We've got Mexico and Brazil, and then... Yeah, so we've got about, I think we're at six weeks. Wait a second, hold up, because there's five races to go on F1. We've got Mexico, Brazil, uh, and then the two... Jeddah and Abu Dhabi. What's that? Um, What What am I missing? Singapore or something. Shit, my tip was no, Singapore's not getting a race this year. USA, Mexico. No, there's only four. Everyone's just five races to go. No! Qatar. Oh. Qatar. Oh, Qatar, of course. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. It's, my, not, it's not in my head yet, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we got about yeah. six weeks till Saudi Arabia. But yeah, so it should be that. All the drivers, I think, as well. We have yeah. drivers who are not that hot on it, so they're happy for it to go back. Um, now, I've got a second article here. The points allocations have been revised again from what mm-hmm. they are this season. So the way it will work, you'll have qualifying, which I believe well, I'm assuming is still going to carry a four-point bonus if you take pole. That determines the grid for Sunday's feature race. The sprint race for F2 will be reversed by the top 10 of qualifying. The top eight will receive points. And that in, oh, wow, we're going to, right, yeah. So top eight will receive points for that. And we've gone away from the 15 and down. So it'll just be a simple so 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 points mm. system for the sprint race. I will not bother mentioning the F3. Well, the F3 is the same thing, except it's running from 10 all the way to 10th, and they reverse the top 12, so it's just 10 it's all the way down to 1. Uh, there'll be no changes to the feature race allocation. That will remain the F1 format of 25, 18, 15, 12, 10, mm. cycling down, and those points will be awarded to the top 10. Um, only two points will now be awarded to the pole and one point for the fastest lap in each race if the driver is in the top 10. Um, so yeah, so now maximum of 39 points from a race weekend. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So we'll be slightly lower in, well, actually, so this will be lower per weekend. I don't know whether this is just to make the points totals for the season comparable to maybe like previous seasons, because obviously you've got more races, but slightly less points in the sprint races might mean it's still about 
the same number of points available. I'm not really sure. But yeah, so not, not a dramatic change, but it, just, it puts more emphasis on the feature race, which I think works, particularly with the sprint race being the first race of the weekend, you know. Yeah, if something goes wrong for you in the sprint race or that, but yeah, you, your big thing is your feature race, which really puts your emphasis on you want to qualify well, because if you, you know, qualify and poll and get two points and then go, you know, lights to flag in the feature race, that's 27 points for the weekend. Even if you don't finish the sprint race, the guy who wins the sprint race was to somehow come second in the feature race, he'd still only get 25 points for the weekend. Sorry, he'd get 28 points for the weekend, which would be one more point than you having, you know, not even finished it. So, yeah, it's much more weighted in the favour. If you look at it as a more feasible way of it happening, so the guy who qualifies pole does win the feature race, that's 27 points. Maybe he does with the fastest at 28th and he comes... Mm. Sixth in the sprint race, that'll give him 31 points for the weekend. Yeah. And the guy who, you know, wins the sprint race, let's say he qualified seventh or something, so he gets 10 points, and then he finishes fifth in the feature race, which will give him, I don't know, like six points or something. He gets 16 points for the weekend. He's That's it. The, the emphasis is on doing well in the feature race. Okay. Nice. Which I think is good. Big Sunday vibes. Pretty chuffed overall, as yep. I said. Keen as. It's good. It's, uh, 2020 is going to be a good year for the uh, the single-seaters. I'm excited. I'm keen. Mm. Even if fucking the Formula 1 is going to go for the majority of the fucking year, like 10 months or whatever it is. But regardless, I can't wait to be... to to, to I can't wait for the burnout. Um, <laughs> anything else? Burnout takedown or burnout yeah, paradise? Burnout Jashan's energy is completely gone and he's ready to die at the age of 23. That's a bit. It sounds like you should maybe talk to someone about that. I'm just a tired boy. Uh, no, I do not have anything else to talk about. All right. Uh, well, that has been a pretty good rundown of all the uh, things that are happening and the things. This has been F2 for you. I've had a blast. My name's Jashan. Fucking follow us on social media, Instagram mainly. Uh, well, listen to the podcast on Spotify. This was a pretty solid episode, if I do say so myself. He's been Matthew. Matthew. Have I? Yes, he has. There you go. Matthew might have been Matthew. We will never know. And uh, Matthew ever, actually. We'll see you next time. Is that a kinder surprise, but in like candy bar form? Yup. That's a travesty. Grow for free, so. That's a job. Blood sugar level, give me some energy. That's fair. Okie dokie.